Thank you, choir. I love you guys and so appreciate what you do. What you do is a gift, uh, and the way you do it is a gift. And same with Trey. Um, it, I don't know, us onlookers, we see it pretty simply, but there's so much that goes into this and so much uh, knowledge and training, and God has gifted you guys with it, and he has gifted our church with you. And so thank you all very much for leading us this morning. I love that psalm. We, I preached this psalm at a funeral last Saturday, and we take it as a psalm of peace, which it is, but it's easy to forget sometimes that that peace comes in the middle of the psalm in the, the valley of the shadow of death. Things aren't always pleasant and pleasing as we would have them in this world and in, the, in a, our lives, uh, but even in those dark places, the peace of God uh, prevails and so much the more when we need them. And so thank God for that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, <clears throat> we've been going through this letter uh, to the church at Ephesus in a series called, But Now in Christ Jesus, Everything Changes When Christ Comes. That's a line taken right out of the text of this, uh, of this letter to the Ephesians, But Now in Christ Jesus. Before that phrase is painted a bleak picture of, of absolute deadness, of outsidership, of emptiness. Uh, but now in Christ Jesus, new things have come. Everything has been transformed and, and changed. And we may praise God to that, uh, for that just the same way as the Ephesians did so long ago. God had reached out into their Gentile lives and he had saved them when everything suggested that that was impossible, when the whole deck, if you will, was stacked totally against them, a God breaks in and says, I can do it. And he does it through the shed blood of his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the living and reigning Lord Jesus. He lives today. He reigns today. Even though he had died and given himself and laid dead in a borrowed tomb, he lives evermore to make intercession for us. He loves us this morning. It's about his power we want to look today. If you don't have your Bible, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good copy of God's word just for you. And so we have those on the back table as you leave. Don't be afraid to take one if you need it. That's what they're there for. No cost to you. We want you to have that if you need a Bible, and if you need help getting started in that, <clears throat> you email me or call me. Come by here and let me, uh, let me sit with you. I'd be honored to do that. I don't know if you've ever needed someone to have your back. You know what that means. You're out on your own, and you need just somebody behind you, a word of encouragement or a strong man to stand with you. You need somebody to walk in with you and help you deal with that, or when you're exhausted, you need somebody to help hold up uh, your arms. We've all needed that from time to time. In my old church in Chattanooga, there was a, a time when I felt like the state of Tennessee was uh, asking something of our church that was unfair. And so I appealed that decision and scheduled an administrative hearing before an administrative court judge. And I was just going to go on my own and make my case. And some good man in our church came and said, you're, you're going by yourself? I said, yes, I am. And he said, no, you don't go to these things by yourself. They're going to chew you to pieces. And said, so you needed a lawyer to go with you. For the church and he suggested someone and I went downtown Chattanooga to a prime piece of real estate right on the riverfront mountain view I mean just beautiful uh, this giant building I went up to the 11th floor and rode up there 
to this attorney. He had recommended a whole floor, a vast uh, office suite dedicated just to this one law firm. You walk in and marble and <clears throat> the best carpet and the nicest furnishings and a reception desk. And to see the lawyer, you have to go through the receptionist, then through his receptionist, then through his waiting room, then through his ante room, then to his office before you can see the lawyer. It was that type of place. Glory. I mean, just imposing glory. The air fresheners were the blood of their enemies. You know, it's just (laughs) that type of (laughs) of a place. The letterhead was coated in gold. You, know, if you, you get the picture there. And as soon as I walked in there, I felt a lot better. Right? The glory of that place spoke to the power of those attorneys. And sure enough, they sent a letter to the state of Tennessee. And all of a sudden, the state sent a letter back and said, we don't have to have this administrative hearing. We can just settle this you know, between offices, if you know what I mean. And so it was all handled out of out of court and the church um, was, um, was relieved of the burden that had been imposed on us. Uh, these guys had the goods to get it done. And I knew that as soon as I saw the place that I walked into. We're dealing today with what's called a doxology. Uh, doxa is a, an old <clears throat> word that just means glory. Uh, it's a Greek word, glory. The doxology, when we sing that song, we're singing the glory of God. And the, the word logos here, you know that word. It just simply means word. In the book of John, when it introduces Jesus, uh, in the beginning was the word. That is the word logos. And so uh, doxa plus logos means uh, spoken glory uh, or, or even glory knowledge. It's, it's a, a notion or a communication of the glory of God. And so here um, we see this doxology in Scripture. There are some others that I want to show, we, show you this morning. Uh, there are a few others throughout Scripture, and I love these. If you ever want to look them up, go ahead and, and uh, check them out in your Bible. The first one is Romans chapter 16. It says this, Now to him who is able, I love that, <clears throat> Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 11 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. That means unknowable. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. A doxology in scripture is an outburst of the praise of God. In the midst of of deep teaching, in the midst of, 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 of heavy doctrine, Sometimes you'll see the writers of the New Testament just, they can't contain themselves and they're praising God suddenly. In 1 Timothy, the writer does that. He says, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Your King James says, the only potentate, right? If you've got the King James Bible, that means the only ruler, the only absolute ruler. 1 Timothy 6 He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And I love the way Jude puts it. says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless. Can you imagine? Can you believe that? 
Can you believe that out there somewhere there's a God who is able to take the likes of you and me and to present us blameless? That's amazing. Listen, and that's what Jude says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You'll find more of these in your Bible if you want to look. But today's is from Ephesians chapter 3. We're coming to the end of the first section, the first movement, if you will, of the Ephesian letter, where theologically the situation has been presented. In the next chapter, we're going to move on to practical things. How do we live out what we've learned? But the learning part is drawing to an end. And if you remember, the Apostle Paul has just finished praying for these Ephesians, notably that they would be filled up to all the fullness of God, among other things. That's where we find ourselves today. This doxology is an expression of praise. But listen, it's here in Ephesians both as an expression of praise, but also as that word of assurance to us, to its readers. How do we know God has the goods to get it done? We've seen the glory. How do we know the the attorney has got my back? How do we know this is the guy to represent us in this matter? You walk in and you see the glory unfold. You know they've got the goods. You see the glory of God here. And the Ephesians would know that God can do what he says he'll do. And so we're going to read a short verse here, two verses. Verses 20 and 21. I hope you'll read with me. Now to him who is able... We see that over and over. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, and I love the old way of saying this in the King James, exceedingly abundantly beyond. I'm going to read it again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, the, the NIV says imagine, It means understand all that we could possibly conceive of. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond that according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This whole Two verses here is just uh, stacked up with words on top of each other, trying to share the glory of God. If you've got a King James Bible, instead of through all generations, forever and ever, amen, the, the, the phrase there is world without end. Uh, we, we can't even capture uh, the glory of God in its everlasting quality. And so we're going to look today at what this word of glory, this doxa logos teaches us about God's power and his ability to back us up, to hold us in our salvation. And there are three simple notions here I want us to look at today. God's might is endless. That's the first one. God's might is endless. You might think, well, we learned this in in grade school, in Sunday school, at VBS. We know God's might is endless. But it's shaped for us here in a very special way. Paul had just finished, the writer of this book had just finished 
praying and pronouncing the most unthinkable things over the Ephesians. You remember he pronounced over them that, that God had brought them from death into life, right? That they had nothing and that they're adopted, they're seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. They are heirs now when they were paupers before. Uh, they were outsiders, they've been brought in. And he's finished praying for them that God would do mighty things through the rest of their life. Remember last week we talked about a foundation, that yes, the foundation was strong, but that God wanted to build out the dimensions of their faith through Christ. Paul had prayed that God would do it marvelously, even to the point of filling them up to all the fullness of God. That sounds impossible. We can't even comprehend that. But the question here might be, does God have the goods to hold all of this up? Uh, does he have the goods to, to do the things that have been prayed for me, to carry to completion what has been promised to me? And the, the answer, of course, is yes. It is a scary thing to go out needing power and to find you have none, right? That knowing that you, you, you need this important backing and there's nothing there to hold you up. My sister, when we were young, had a Geo Metro. My sister Lee is a mess. <clears throat> she, she would not disagree if she heard me say that. But uh, she had a Geo Metro three-cylinder engine, right? You remember them? And I, my car broke for a minute, and she was grounded from her car. And so uh, I got to drive the Geo Metro to and from college each day down Macaulay Avenue, and it's, this Geo Metro was not just any Geo Metro. It was a white one, and it had uh, beads hanging from the rearview mirror <clears throat> per my sister. had stickers all over it, you know, peace signs and all these phrases that I wouldn't want associated with me, but there they were on the Geo Metro. It smelled of illegal substances, if you will. <clears throat> it didn't fit me at all, you know. There I was going to college. My hair was combed just like this. I mean, it's combed this way since I emerged from the womb, guys. And so, <clears throat> clean cut, driving down this Geo Metro. But the one thing I hated about it the most is if you needed to shoot the gap, if you will, to, to get out in front of somebody quick and you punch the gas, guess what? All three cylinders would kick in and get you nowhere, right? <clears throat> There's times when we need power and we push the gas, and it's just not there. It lets us down. Is God going to do that? That, I mean, that is the, the heart question, a, a true question from these believers. Uh, if I step out on this, if I, if I build the height and length and depth and width, if I go with God to the places he said that he's taking me, there's a lot at stake. And if I, need, if I, if I stomp on the accelerator, if I need power for that, is God going to get me there? And the answer is an abundant yes. This very first part moves in seven stages. Follow this with me. Uh, first, it tells us that God is able to do. He is able to do. Second, he's able to do what they ask, right? That's a comfort, isn't it? God's able to do what they ask. But that's not all. He's able to do what they think. That's a... Praise God. We've got a God who's able to do. The word able is dynamite. We've talked about that before. Uh, dunamis, uh, it, it's a power. Uh, it, it, he's able to do what, we, what they ask and what they think. In fact, there's another word thrown in. He's able to do all they ask. 
and all they think. And fifth, he's able to do what? Beyond all they ask and beyond all they think. Number six, he's able to do exceedingly beyond all they ask and all they think. And finally, in the seventh stage of this, he is able, dynamis, to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all they ask and all they think. Can God carry you through? You better bet he can do it. No matter how deep the need is, no matter how high the ask is, uh, no matter how strong the obstacle is, no matter how dire the situation or how long the road is, you will never find God unable to accomplish what he promises. That's our God this morning. That's not just the Ephesians God. That's our God this morning. God is able to carry us through. His faithfulness can be relied upon with absoluteness because his power is endless. He is an endlessly powerful God. All these words together, you say, well, what does that measure up to? Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all. I mean, what, what's the level of that? Where, where does it stop? The, the image here is of infinity. It, he is infinitely able. God's might is endless. But secondly, God's power is present. This amazes me here. How is it uh, that uh, this power, this glory given to God uh, happens according to the power at work where? Within us. It answers another question here. Paul is not only looking back to the promises God has made, is he able to do all this? He's looking forward to the very next chapter where God is going to ask the Ephesians to appropriate all this into every area of their life. And the question might be this, if God's going to ask me to live this out in my home and at work and in the face of persecution and in all the places that I'm going to go in my social life and in my education, if I'm going to be asked to do this, is the power of God going to be available? Is it going to be near me? Will I be able to access it? It's good enough that it exists, but God is sending me. He's sending me. Will I be able to reach to access the power of God in my life for the places that God is sending me, making me go? See, it does no good if the power is far away, does it? Our little one, Reese, when he was younger, since he was a baby, actually, had a little blanket, a little blue blanket, and... Uh, no other blanket would comfort him when he was a baby. He was up there squealing, and we would uh, we'd say, hey, we had all these nice blankets. I've told you this, I think, but we had lots of nice blankets from the showers and, uh, and real fluffy and plush ones and ones with a silky border, you know those. Um, and uh, nothing would help him. One day, Erica said, try that blue blanket. Cheap blue blanket from Walmart that we had gotten, I mean, thin and just the simplest thing. We laid that blue blanket on him and that peace, right? I mean, just all of a sudden, he was at peace. And blue blankie, blue blankie turned into, in his vernacular, bookie, right? And so still, we, we refer to that old blanket as bookie. But there's sometimes, more than one time, 
We have been traveling on a vacation or going to visit family for the holidays. We'll get down the road, maybe to the edge of town here, and there'll be a gasp from the back seat, and Reese will say, I forgot what? Bookie. And that is a tragedy for the whole family if Bookie's gone. We're all going to pay for it if we don't have Bookie. You know why? Because it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if Bookie brings comfort if Bookie's not there, right? It doesn't matter if Bookie brings warmth or if Bookie helps you sleep or if Bookie brings peace to the family. None of that matters if Bookie is at home and you're somewhere else. And that's the question here. Uh, okay, God is able, but will he go with me to the places that I need him? And the answer here is an absolute yes. In fact, all this glory and all this power that was, has been described is according According to what? The power at work within us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about God making his, the life of Jesus within us. And the smells of your house and, and, and the decorations of, of your room, that Jesus' life would be lived out right there within us. And that's the truth here. And what that means for us is that the power of God has made its base of action right in our own lives, right in our own selves. Uh, within us is where God, where the Lord Jesus resides. And wherever it is that we seek to live out our salvation, wherever he sends you, wherever he calls you to obey him, the presence of God's power is right there. It is right there with us. Wherever obedience takes you, you're not alone. There was a young man who stopped in the office the other week and uh, was in tears. Uh, he just came in off the street, kind of a cold call, and I heard uh, someone talking with Laura out in the hallway, and you could tell he was upset, 26, 27-year-old guy, and just was uh, asking, is there somebody here who could pray for me? And I've mentioned this on Wednesday nights a couple of times. You could tell it made an impression on me. But there he was going to work at one of the industries near here, <clears throat> uh, you know, put together guy, ready to go. Uh, in just falling apart. Once we got in the office and, and sat down together, I mean, he just sobbed. I mean, he couldn't control himself about um, what he was facing. He, the gist is this, he, he, was, he was once a strong believer. I mean, knew the Lord and walked with the Lord, taught the student ministry at his own home church, and he had fallen far from God. He said, I haven't talked to God in a long time. When I try to, I just feel like I can't get anything going, uh, and I need to draw back near to God. He had had a, a loss in his life that had precipitated this. We were able to talk together for just a moment, and I was able to tell him, listen, that God is not sitting there folding his arms, waiting for you to jump through a bunch of hoops. If you've repented, if you're coming back to him, then listen, there is power for that because the power of God is accessible. It lives right there within us. That is true of me and you as well. If you need to come back to God, you think I'm so far from him. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you need to draw back near to him, the power is at work. It's right there with you. You can get to it. If God wants to send you on a mission trip, or to the mission field. Listen, his power is going to go with you. If you need to live righteously in a broken world, and students, that's hard to do. I know that's hard to do. Adults, it's hard to do if we're doing it. Uh, if you need to live righteously, uh, be a witness of truth in a broken world, will the power of God be with you in that staff meeting, in that board meeting? 
uh, in that negotiation, in your family, in your circles. Will he be there? You can bet he will be there. The power of God is right there. I love what we sang today. In times of loss, when we face our own eternity, when we come to die, right, when it's our turn, will the power of God last to the end? And praise God, yes, it does. God's power is very present. But lastly, God's glory is everlasting. His glory never ends. Verse 21, to him be glory, doxa, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, world without end, amen. Giving glory is not uncommon in Scripture, but this is uncommon the way Ephesians does it. It's uncommon because somehow, in some strange way, the glory of God is going to be uh, partnered with the church of God. God's glory is, right, is in his church. How does that happen, do you think? I mean, that's, a, that's a marvelous miracle that somehow we are connected to the glory of God. And, and also in Christ Jesus that we're partnered together for God's glory. Here's how this works. I'm going to give an example of this. Imagine a day if I had a little dog, right? Which I do have a little dog. But imagine if I could teach a dog to talk. Imagine I came in next week and said, I have taught a dog to talk and to read. He can read and he can talk. What do you think would happen next after y'all fired me uh, for... (laughs) I mean, if that were real, if I brought the dog in here and began asking him questions and he answered, and if I said, dog, would you read our text for today from Ephesians? And the dog read it perfectly, King James English, right? Just these and thous and just flew it. I mean, that would, be a, a, that would be a spectacle, wouldn't it? And as you went out and you told other people, pretty soon they'd be asking to see the dog. The library would probably call and say, can he come read books to the kids on Saturday, right? That's a story hour I'd go to, unlike some, right? I'd go to the dog story hour, listen to the dog, um, read the stories for us. And pretty soon, Good Morning America or the Today Show, if they still exist, would come down here with their satellite trucks to Oakwood or Gainesville, and they'd set up in the lot, and they'd want to see the dog. And they'd want to ask him about current events, uh, global geopolitical stuff to get his opinion They'd want to know what he thought about the spy balloon, don't you think, right? Uh, dog, tell us. <laughs> tell us your opinion. It would be, uh, and you better believe, that dog would receive what? Glory. Glory. I mean, all kinds of attention and fever. Uh, glory would be focused on that dog. Why? Because somebody, not somebody, excuse me, something uh, who ought not to have been able to, to, to move to that level, guess what? He did. And guess who else would receive glory? Me, because I taught the dog, right? I, they, they would say, how did you do it? We want to study this. We want to know this. It would, it's amazing when, when something like that happens. But listen, the distance between a creature like a dog and the sophisticate that I described is a far lesser distance than the distance between our sinful selves and those who are now redeemed and seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? The distance between a dog who can now wear spectacles and speak is a far lesser distance uh, than those of us who were 
dead, dead in our trespasses and sins and are now made alive together with Christ. That's why a watching world, the angels of heaven and the demons of hell look upon the church of God and glory comes. The attention is on the miraculous thing God has done through the church. You and me were we were enemy, we were rebels, and now we're redeemed. And you better bet, once they look at us, they turn their attention and say, who did it? And he receives what? Glory. And so that's the image here, the everlasting glory of God. It's a powerful glory. It's a distinct glory, but it is a forever ever glory. This glory never ends. And so what is the message in this? Why does this matter to those at Ephesus? Why does it matter to us today? Because God does not forget his redeemed. He doesn't forget the glory of the church is attached to the glory of God for how long? Forever. He never leaves us behind those he has remade and transformed to the likeness of Christ, he does not leave, he does not cease to care for and to uphold us. How do we know this? Because by the work of Christ, the, the church is bound eternally to the glory of God for all time and forever. The Lord is not going to tire of us, those who are in Christ. He's not going to tire of us. He's not going to wander away from us. We belong to him. His very glory is all caught up in it. Is God able to hold us and to carry us? You better believe he will do it. I'm going to ask you today, who's the most famous person you've ever known? Not personally, but known of. When I was a kid, I, I would have to say in, in elementary school, probably Michael Jackson was the the biggest deal ever. Um, he had the red jacket, you know, with the zippers. And I had a boy in my gray, Brandon Strickland, um, who came to school every day with that red jacket. Anybody here have one of those red jackets? If you admit it, oh my goodness, Mario had one. Um, <laughs> red leather jacket, little zippers and pockets everywhere. It was the, the Michael Jackson jacket. He was, I mean, he was the, what, the king of pop, right? One of the kings. We got the king of rock and roll, Elvis, the king of pop, the most famous person you've ever thought of. Glory, right? I mean, still now there's, a, there's an echo of, of glory when you say the name Michael Jackson. You could probably start humming one of his songs right now if I asked you to. Mario, you could go get that jacket and put it on and wear it to church if, if you wanted to. But the glory of Michael Jackson, or whoever it is to you, Elvis, the king of this, the king of that, the, pre the, the best president you ever thought of, George Washington, whose cities are named after all over our, our land, is like, it's like a third, it's like a, a fraction of a second compared to the glory of God. Look what's described here. I mean, the, the glory of God is, is described in, in, in an amazing way here. To him be glory in the church, praise God, that's a miracle, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations 
forever and ever, world without end. Amen. The God of everlasting glory, by his choice and by his love, has decided to make his home with you and me. The God of everlasting glory, needless of anything, the, the, the one who will outlast Michael, will outlast everything, whose glory will shine when none of this is remembered, and when it's not even worth remembering. The glory of God will be bright as it ever has been. And this is the God who, uh, who out of his character and love said, I will send of myself and shed my blood that they may come in and be mine. Th that's unthinkable. That is an unthinkable reality that we can base our lives on this morning. He does not withhold his power his presence, or his glory from people like you and like me. He makes his home with us, and that ought to change our lives. God, can you see it through? When you place that call on my heart to go down to the altar and to bend my knee, to take a risk, to go on mission, to answer the call to ministry maybe, maybe to start seminary, God, God, can you see me through when I'm all alone now? God, can you see me through when everything has changed? God, in the valley of the shadow of death, can I go where you send and do as you say and stand on your promises? The word here for the, to the Ephesians this morning is yes, and your word is yes too. Let's do that. Let me pray for us. just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond during this worship service. What that usually means, we're just going to open the floor up front for those of you who need to, to make your way down and to pray to God and pray alone. You can ask me to pray with you. Be happy to. Maybe you need to make a decision today, a decision for salvation, to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe today you need to come for church membership or for baptism, but really maybe you need to come for something I, I would never think to mention because God doesn't need to tell me your need. He can speak directly to you. And if he's the same God that I remember and the same faithful God that's ever been true, he still speaks to those who are his. And so maybe you'd come this morning to make a decision to ask your life to be changed for God to do something new in you. Maybe you just need help this morning. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death and the hurt is really beyond what you were prepared for. It's beyond what you expected. It was a sucker punch and the breath is knocked out of you and you don't know how to take the next step. Wouldn't you just come to the Lord this morning and say, God, I'm helpless and I'm in need and I come to you. Let the Lord change your life. He'll do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God and we thank you for trusting it to us on this good Sunday. Please forgive us from our sins. We repent of our sinfulness, God, and our sins. We ask that you would change us today. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and I invite you, if you will, to come. Come.